This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Kitty White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I'm doing all right, Katie. How about you? Pretty well. T minus three episodes. Yeah, three episodes, <laughs> which is crazy. And T minus, what, two weeks until you are married? Two weeks today. That's insane. That's amazing. It's crazy, <laughs> and I am not used to it. So, nope. But also fine. two weeks until we get to see each other in person. That's nice. We're going to need to take a picture. <laughs> Of course, of course. I need you to remind me so we can post to social media because I'm going to be all over the place. So oh, yeah. I'm you very excited will have to see your you. head everywhere else, <laughs> which is completely understandable. I have like a checklist of things. One is like eat and one is take a picture with Chad for, <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> oh, and get married. So oh, oh, that too. Small you know. thing on the side. <laughs> Whatever. If it all gets done, that'd be great. Well, just a few episode introductions. Uh, we're once again recording episode 106 before episode five has been posted. So I don't know. We're, we're not technically it. coming f- to you from the future, but it's, it's a weird space and time. We've never been this on it. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> or coerce, coerce, no, conversely, that's the word. Or conversely, <laughs> I've never been so far behind in editing. <laughs> But no, no, we're still we're, do- we're still on our one a week. But- yeah, we're doing yeah. our one a week. Yeah, so. we're good. We're good. Okay. Well, we got some emails this week. We got one from Greg and one from Leslie. I think we also got one from Greg a couple weeks ago, and that's what he was sort of following up on. And so we responded to him now, and he also emailed us again. So thanks for that, Greg. We also got new podcast reviews from Excuse Me and Rachel on Apple Podcast, and several Twitter interactions this week as well through Leslie. Mike, Jeanette, Michelle, Mike, Leslie. Oh, I think I said Leslie twice. And then Jim. There are two Mikes. There are not two Leslies. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So our single episode of discussion today, sort of a double episode, is Living the Dream. It aired on May 2nd, 2013, directed by Jeffrey Blitz and written by Nikki Schwartz-Wright. Jim has taken time off of work at Athlete to spend more time in Scranton with Pam and the kids. Dwight has earned his black belt, finally, and he's possibly earned something else. Wink, wink. Andy has decided to leave his job at Dunder Mifflin to pursue fame full time. So that's great for him. And Angela's living situation is going down downhill fast now that she is separated from Robert and taking care of Philip as a single mother. The first shot of the episode is happy. It's great. After our last episode with Jim and Pam, we see them walking with their arms wrapped around each other, smiling, looking so happy, kind of laughing as they enter the office. It's really nice to see this relief after almost half a season of awkwardness and tension. So things are already great. Jim is taking some time off of Athlete to spend time with his family in Scranton. And uh, Pam sort of hesitantly says, you know, it's been great. And Jim emphasizes, it's been great. Seriously, uh, it's been awesome. It doesn't seem like he's faking it at all. He's really excited to be back. And um, Pam kind of, <laughs> well, the phone's been ringing off the hook. And Jim emphasizes again, it doesn't matter. This is what matters. This is the only thing that matters. So he seems to really be fully here and fully invested. I really appreciate that confirmation from Jim because when, when Pam says it's been great, she almost looks a little uncertain. She looks at Jim. She's like, I, I don't know. Has it, it's been great. I think it's been great. But uh, do you? And then he says, yes, it has been great. And so it, it's just so nice to have this sort of instant gratification for us as viewers and fans following the previous episode because, you know, yes, at the end of last episode, they're OK. Love endures all things. That was the highlight. But now yes, they're still okay. And they're going to be okay. So it's just an instant confirmation of what the last episode was pushing towards. But now we we see it with our own two eyes that they are fine. He's back. So Jim goes to sit at his desk and Clark is sitting there because of course, Clark was sitting in Jim's desk when Jim was away. But Jim says, hey, well, I'm here today. Surprise, surprise. So maybe, uh, maybe I can have my desk back. But Clark won't because he says he's worked hard for that spot and uh, he feels like he earns it and he refuses to move. So Jim has to go sit in the annex and Pam has to go kind of visit him and make excuses to go flirt with him. And he comes up and makes excuses to flirt with her. And it's all very cute, but they can't (laughs) sit next to each other, even though that's basically the entire reason that Jim is here (laughs) is to be with Pam and he can't do that today. 
Yeah, basically. And I, and I had this in funny moments, but I'll go ahead and say it. When Jim says, yeah, the whole reason I'm here is to sit next to my wife. And Clark claps back with, the whole reason I'm here is to sell paper. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> you know, my job. <laughs> and Jim's like, well, I guess I can't really shoot that down. So he's got a fair point. And so that's really all to talk about with Jim and Pam for now. Next up, we've got Andy. He's he's still pursuing the acting life actively through his agent. And when Jim at the start of the episode says, you know what? Yeah, I'm back in Scranton for now because I was I was spreading myself too thin. He says, you know, I have this new like motto for myself. Go all in for what's most important. That's my new thing. And it strikes a chord with Andy, probably literally because it's Andy. And he realizes, you know what, I have to quit my job at Dunder Mifflin because I'm spreading myself too thin too. And this way I can pursue my dream of being famous full time. And then he goes on to say, I'm not even just talking acting. I just want to pursue fame of any kind. Why limit myself? And it's just so misguided. At the very least, if he's going to quit his job at Dunder Mifflin to pursue something, he, he needs to pursue a thing. And fame, fame is not specific, <laughs> you know? He'll find himself with the same problem he's already facing, not putting 100% into one thing only. And so his chances of success going out and pursuing everything are pretty minimized. Yeah, when you say, I'm going to go be successful. Okay, great. In what? Right. I'm going to go be famous. Okay, well, you are an actor and a singer and a musician and a... And he, he talks about wanting to specifically go out for reality cooking, reality dating, and reality singing shows. Okay, well, those are all very different, and we've never <laughs> seen him have any inclination for cooking, and his dating life isn't great, so not sure why any of that works for him, but he's just trying to be famous, which is, eh, cringy. And I hate that word, but it is. It's just like, narrow it down, dude. Mm -hmm. What's more is none of his coworkers believe in him. Like, is just question is he honestly making a mistake or maybe maybe even a better question would his life really be better if he stayed at dunder mifflin so the only real benefit of him staying at dunder mifflin which is a pretty major benefit is income steady money coming in so that he can you know live and do things but at dunder mifflin he is working with his ex they had a pretty painful breakup he's in a job that he's proven that he's really not great at I mean, he's good with people, but not good with sales. And it's also a job that he doesn't love. So though quitting takes away his income, it does give him a chance, yes, a slim one, but a chance to do what he really loves, which is to perform. So I don't know, I, I, I do have a little trouble faulting him for that because he's really just trying to make it, he's really trying to give himself his best chance. So what do you think? Yes, I agree. And I think <laughs> that he should be pursuing what he loves, but I don't think, I mean, there are baby steps you can take. And he even comments when, when Daryl tries to convince him not to do this, he says, well, I'm already 38. How much slower can I be moving? So I get it. He feels like he's old for the entertainment industry and he needs to just dive in and, and tackle this while he can. But he isn't taking the baby steps he needs to take. We've seen him do a couple of community theater things and one industrial film, and that's it. You know, he could he could take some smaller steps. And I agree, Dunder Mifflin is not the job for him, but there is another job out there, and maybe even in the entertainment industry that is not that is more stable. And those jobs do exist. So I don't think he's making the right decision, but Dunder Mifflin is also not the right decision. So he's just in a bind. Right. Uh, reading some of the criticisms his co-workers have, Oscar says pretty much exactly that same thing. He says, no, I don't think that he can make it as an actor, but he also can't make it as an employee in an office. So why not go nuts with it? <laughs> so, right. yeah. And the Creed, Creed, of all people, says, I think just anybody could be a star. My postman, the night janitor here. But Andy, uh, no, definitely not. Charisma, black hole. Phyllis has some kind things to say. He's He sings beautifully. He's really good at dancing. He's a good speaker. But then she also says, there's just something there you don't want to look at. And Stanley and Kevin and lots of people, pretty much everybody in the office, have something to say to Andy about what a bad decision this is. Nellie and Kevin actually tag team together and come into his office and say, yeah, this seems dumb. <laughs> like straight up, 
this seems dumb. Nelly says, what if you know, what if you were to stay here and full asset? Because Andy says, it's better than sticking around here and half-assing it. And she says, well, what, then full asset. Give it a go. Be the greatest manager in the history of this branch and in that way achieve the fame and immortality that you seek. And he says, no, nah, I like my plan better. So he's not listening to people. He's pretty blind to criticism as he kind of always has been. At this point, well, really previous to this point, but still, David has come in today. And David has already made it clear to us and to the documentary crew that, that he is here to fire Andy because he's been erratic. We've already talked about it a couple of times in the last couple of episodes that since David has made the you're on very thin ice comment, Andy has done nothing to keep himself off of the thin ice. David points out, yeah, he bought an expensive color printer, i.e. the kind that is good for headshots in Andy's words, and has also spoken to David about buying him cheek implants, which would be good for, quote, office morale. He's just all kinds of not in the correct headspace to have this job. So David's here to fire him. But then Andy says, you know what? I, I need to leave this job so I can pursue my dream. And David's just like, well, hot dog. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> His reasoning is that with the documentary airing in two weeks, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to follow his acting dream. Well, yes and no. I think the documentary, given the promos and given that it's airing internationally, it's a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. So, okay, I get it. I get why he wants to do this now. But he also tells Jim at the beginning of the episode that he's been spreading himself too thin. He's been giving 100% to Dunder Mifflin and to acting. I would doubt that he's been giving himself 100% to Dunder Mifflin. And David questions the same thing. He says, you think you've been working too hard here. <laughs> okay. And he's kind of, he has to stop himself from laughing because it's just, it's comical. He's not trying at all. And so... David, yeah, as you said, great. Well, that solved everything right up. Don't have to give him pension. This is great. David wishes him luck, and Andy says, I won't need it. So he is just all set. And Andy announces to the office that he's leaving, and everyone assumes that he was fired, of course, because, of course. When he tells them that he is leaving to pursue his lifelong dream of being famous, they all just groan, and they're just, this is a terrible idea, and they all think so. So that's when we get all those talking heads that you were mentioning. And then there are several people who tell him to his face that he shouldn't do this. Daryl, as I said, tries to dissuade him, says that he's moving too fast, that the business is cold, and if you do get a job, which you won't, they're not going to cut you slack like you've been cut slack here, and you're meant for a job with lots of slack. <laughs> Nellie and Kevin, as you mentioned, come to talk to him and uh, convince him, or try to convince him to work harder. This is Nellie convincing him to stay, which is huge because she doesn't like Andy and Andy doesn't like her and she wants to protect him. Kevin takes an even more blunt approach. He says, well, Andy, your plan sucks, okay? Nobody's going to hire you ever. You're too charactery to be a lead and you're not fat enough to be a great character actor. <laughs> he's just, he's being realistic. He's like, look, you don't fit the type. It's not going to work for you. And yet again, Andy doesn't listen. Dwight who we'll get to more in a bit, but he has reason to want Andy to go. And he tries to convince Andy to stay, especially when he learns that Andy has no money saved. He just applied for overdraft protection. He's got no savings. Mm -hmm. But please, he says, I have known you for years. I've seen you perform. Dear God, don't quit your day job. Andy does a little accent and Dwight says, you're bad. <laughs> Please don't do that. Out of desperation, just, just let me just straight up say it. You are bad. Yeah. Please listen to me. It's taken the entire office chipping and chipping and chipping and chipping away at his confidence. And he's not getting it until Aaron. He, he finally is starting to kind of hear these people and hear the office. And he comes up to Aaron. And he says, will you tell me bluntly, do you think I am making a terrible mistake quitting my job to become an actor? Aaron says bluntly, yes, huge mistake. Andy, honestly, I think you might become homeless or maybe even starve. After that conversation, he walks straight into the conference room with a panic look on his face. And that's where David's working. And David, seeing his face, tells him immediately without Andy saying a word, you can stay on as a salesman. Okay, thank you, David. <laughs> and so he's flipped back onto uh, the nine to five life. Yeah, I, I love that Andy tried to convince himself and the camera crew that he was going to make it. He says, I'm going to make it. Every person that has been on Conan has a crazy story about how they made it. Every person. That's because people who don't make it don't go on Conan. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that, that number far exceeds the people who do. So 
Sorry, the new the, the real world sucks, Andy, but it does. Now, departing from Andy for just a minute, let's talk about Dwight. Him and Sensei Ira parted ways after the junior salesman episode when he didn't hire Ira or any of his other friends that he invited to go for the junior salesman job. And so he found a new sensei. Uh, it's Sensei Billy. And this guy revealed, one, that Sensei Ira was totally scamming Dwight for money. Apparently, he's paid $150,000 over 20 years and still has not received his black belt. And also that Dwight totally has enough training to get his black belt. So he will be having his black belt ceremony here in the office at lunchtime, which is a weird thing. Everybody thinks it's weird. And while David is there, the ceremony takes place and Billy's there and Billy's kind of exasperated with Dwight, but he does put up with him. And with Andy leaving, David finds the need to fill the position with the new manager. And since Billy told him, you know what? Yeah, he's a little odd. He's irritating for sure. But he's one of the most tenacious men he's ever met. And the reason we're having this here is because Dwight said he wanted to have this ceremony at the place that he loved most in the world. So bells are sort of going off in David's mind at this point because, hey, I found somebody who cares about the job. He's not going to leave for something else. This is what he's always wanted. Why not make Dwight the manager? So David talks to Jim. David and Jim have always been good friends, even with Jim leaving for athlete. It's not because of David. They're still good friends. So he says, am I crazy, Jim, for thinking that Dwight might be good for this position? And Jim doesn't even give just his blessing. He gives more than his blessing. He says it should be Dwight. And David seems a tiny bit hesitant, (laughs) but he does call Dwight in the conference room. And Dwight is obviously over the moon. He says, you will not regret this decision, David. And David says, I know. Dwight says, I will never, ever let you know. And David says, I know you're going to do great. So yes, David was a tiny bit hesitant, but I don't think even for a moment that it was in Dwight's ability to run the branch. The hesitance comes from Dwight. Dwight is Dwight. And (laughs) there's always going to be a little hesitation there when considering that kind of thing. But that's not a bad thing necessarily. David says, I know to Dwight's confirmations that he's going to do a good job and he won't regret this with such confidence that it's just a, a fulfillment for us as the audience. Again, we, we have the Jim and Pam fulfillment earlier. Now we have the Dwight fulfillment. Dwight is one of the since like season two and probably longer, but that's when we first saw it in uh, the coup. So big, big moment for Dwight here. When Jim is in the, the meeting with David and, and he's okaying and, and promoting Dwight as manager, He kind of jokes like, oh, you'll need some more liability insurance, which they kind of laugh at. But that's sort of the the base of the reason, I think, why David is nervous, not nervous, but hesitant to to consider Dwight at all, because he's kind of erratic. So I I get why he's hesitant, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, and this is huge, in the same time that Jim is in that meeting with David, Clark and Dwight are on the other side of the wall watching this meeting happen. And of course, it looks like David is asking Jim to be the new manager. They're in a meeting together. He's a good choice. He's been manager before. It all sort of makes sense. And Clark, seeing this, says, dude, there's no way that Jim is just back here to hang out with Pam, insinuating that he's going to get the job. Dwight first stands up for Pam. He says, you did not just say that. You don't know Pam. She's really (laughs) cool, which is adorable. And then Clark says, all I'm saying is, forget about my chair that he wanted. He wants the manager chair, and I thought you wanted that job. And at first, Dwight's kind of resigned. He says, yeah, I did, but I made too many mistakes. It's out of my reach now. I'll never get it. Besides, I think Jim would be a fine manager. I'd be happy to see Jim as manager. So they are both okaying the other one without even knowing Mm -hmm. it, which is just great writing, (laughs) great everything. It's really, really sweet because we haven't seen this from them Ever, Ever. maybe at the same time, and to see how this has all come full circle over the course of the show, too. There's Jim just being Dwight's at work nuisance, there's them then transitioning to being arch nemeses, (laughs) to Jim becoming co manager, there's Dwight's diabolical plot to get rid of Jim, and then it flips. Jim saves Dwight from getting fired in Florida, and then they become friends. And now Dwight is saying, Not only would I tolerate Jim being manager, but I would be happy to see Jim as manager. 
And then finally, Jim telling David that he thinks that Dwight should be the manager. And seeing Jim's face when David first poses a question is great, too, because at first when David starts talking, it's not clear that he's about to offer the job to somebody else. Jim thinks he's about to ask him to be manager. Like, please, Jim, stay. We need you to guide this branch. And it looks like he's uncertain and he doesn't know how to respond to this. But then when David makes it clear that he's going to recommend Dwight, a smile breaks across his face. And it's just friends happy for each other. And I love that we're at that point of the show where we can just unironically call them friends. Before Dwight accepts this position, but after their conversation, each of them, Jim with with David, Dwight's kind of being snarky and making a joke of Jim. And Jim kind of breaks that and sincerely congratulates Dwight on his black belt. Hey, this is awesome. You've wanted this for a long time. Congratulations. And Dwight stops the sass and sincerely says, thank you so much. And he smiles. And then asks if Wallace is going to hire Jim. And Jim says, no, you know, he's not. But he is considering you, Dwight. And Dwight doesn't believe him until he kind of presses and says, you know, I wouldn't be so sure about that. And that's when Dwight gets excited. And that's when David calls him in. And that whole thing that you mentioned happens. And then after learning about it, Jim again sincerely congratulates Dwight on the new position. And the first thing that Dwight does as new manager is make Clark leave Jim's seat. He says, get out of Jim's seat. You're an annex kid. You might be bullpen. We'll see. Give it a couple of years. Scram. And I love that the first thing he does is stand up for his friend and give him his seat back and uh, kind of restores normalcy. Yeah. And Dwight already has business cards made with his name as manager of the branch in case Michael or Andy ever got killed in a traffic accident and there was a trade show on the same day. So he was super prepared and he cries, he hugs David and, you know, Andy's dream may not be coming true, but Dwight's is. When Dwight proudly announces it to the office, he jumps up on a desk and says, Dwight Schrute is manager. And everybody cheers for him. Everybody cheers for him and is happy for him. And I I choose to think that everyone is actually happy for him. And they're not just cheering because he's a better option than Andy. (laughs) They know how hard Dwight has worked. They know how capable he is as a salesman. And they know he's never going to give this job anything less than his best because Dwight never has. Well, I don't want to say never. There was like that brief time period at the beginning of season six or so after, or no, beginning after of season Angela. eight. Oh, there was after Angela. And yeah, that, that, that would be it. Because I remember yeah. him looking for jobs at his desk, remember? Mm-hmm. But generally. Yeah, generally speaking, he has, he has never given less than his best at this job. He offers Jim a job. This isn't something that we need to talk about too much, I don't think, but we need to say it because it preps us for the next episode. He says, Jim, I would like you to be assistant regional manager. Jim says, nope, can't do it. It's not a real job. But you know, a job that is real that I would be proud to take is assistant to the regional manager. (laughs) It's great. It's so great. I I love their friendship so much. When he does accept assistant to the regional manager, Dwight makes him shake on it and then chastises him for being bad at negotiating. <laughs> so it's it's nice to see that even though, yes, they're friends now and they uh, they get along now, they're still themselves and Dwight's going to call him a sucker for giving himself a, a lower position, you know, <laughs> because he can and he's his boss now, uh, which is which is really cool. So that mostly wraps up Dwight, which leads us back to Andy. So Andy's now... Rec- Regretting his choice already to stay with Dunder Mifflin. He has a talking head where he says, did I just abandon my dreams so quickly? It's because I had a fallback. That's the problem. When you have fallbacks, it's just easy to give up. When Cortez landed in Mexico, the only way he got his men to defeat the Aztecs was by burning all of his own boats so that they could never return home. And he says, pardon the language, he says, huge dick move. (laughs) But very effective. And I need to be that same kind of dick to myself. So he decides to burn his boats, burn his bridges. And does he ever? He stands up on his desk. He says, you know what? I'm all in. Just like Dwight stood up on his desk and announced that he's manager. Mm -hmm. He stands up on his desk. He says, I'm all in. I'm following my dream. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. He goes to Toby and he demands that Toby says in his paperwork that he was fired for theft or for sexual misconduct, but Toby refuses. I can't do that. That's a lie. That's not why you were fired. You weren't fired. So Andy is then, in his words, forced to grope Toby because he has to be fired, right? So he then runs to David, confesses that he lost the Scranton White Pages account out of spite because he was mad at Dwight. And David 
the good guy he is says, you know what? No, that's behind us. And Andy says, well, what if I told you that I hated you and this company? What if I took a dump on your car? What if I did this? What if I did that? And David finally has enough and yells at him and tells him to get out, leave. And then we see Andy uh, following through on his promises by taking a squat on David Wallace's car (laughs) and flipping him the bird. Two birds, actually. And he says to the camera, I feel like for the first time in a long time, I'm doing the right thing. Questionable. Which is not not what I would say he's doing, uh, but he sure did burn those bridges. Yeah, it's like seeing Dwight accomplish his long-term dream just set Andy's dream back into motion. So watching Dwight so happy and Andy feeling so miserable at giving his dream up He was like, no, I can't stand for this. But a really powerful moment that I want to linger on just a minute is when he says to David, please stop forgiving me. Please. This is my last chance to honor what is best inside myself. That's really powerful for me because all of Andy's life, he's been doing what he can to please other people, his parents, his peers, Robert California. And now he has a chance, and yes, again, it is a slim one, but it's still a chance to really pursue what he's always wanted. Even in college, looking back to his time at Cornell, if you remember, he, he went to Cornell, Katie. Uh, Cornell, yeah, really? Yeah, nice school, I hear. Uh, Yale or something. <laughs> uh, but his biggest takeaway from his time at Cornell was performing with Here Comes Trouble. So if it's performing that makes him truly happy, it may not be the smartest decision financially, but I'm glad he's taking the chance to make his dreams come true. And his final moment at the office is one of Andy's finest moments ever. He comes in and he says, Lorelai, his name for his guitar, and him are going to say goodbye the only way we know how. And everyone just sort of rolls their eyes. They don't want this. Stanley says, why can't you just leave? And Jim says, you know, you can always just say a nice goodbye, Andy. (laughs) But Andy sings anyways, and it's a wonderful rendition of Sarah McLachlan's I Will Remember You. Seriously, very, very good. Probably the best single thing we've seen Andy do as a performer the entire course of the show. And everybody gets caught up in it. They're smiling. They all come out of the annex or their various offices. And it's just a really lovely moment. And when he finishes, they all cheer. They say goodbye, all that kind of stuff. And a couple of them sort of reconsider a bit. And, you know, we as the audience do too. You know what? Maybe Andy does have a chance. Who knows? It feels very much like the season, like the series is wrapping up, like we're slowly saying goodbye to these characters. It was a weird moment, for sure. The last big character to discuss is Angela, who comes in to the office looking the worst we've ever seen her. She looks like she hasn't showered in days. She's covered in cat fur. She looks absolutely exhausted. She starts out in a horrible mood. The county took her cats. We don't know how many. She says about two sacks worth of cats. Because apparently her apartment complex has rules against how many cats are too many for a studio. We see her slip vodka or something into her soda at work. Oscar sees this too. She gets a call from her landlady. She assumes it's because her rent check didn't clear, which it sounds like that was going to be a possibility, but that's not it. Her landlady is evicting Angela and she's keeping the security deposit. So her day went from awful to somehow even worse. And she is... I mean, she is on her last legs. She's, she's almost done. Her position now is so opposite in my mind from where she was back in season five when I actively disliked her because of what she was doing to Andy. Mm-hmm. And now the tables are almost completely flipped. Andy is misguided in all areas of his life right now and has done some truly upsetting things, uh, among them being the way he said goodbye to David specifically in this episode and also the whole Aaron situation and the leaving for three months crap. But now Angela has all of my pity because she doesn't deserve what has happened to her. Bad things she's done. Oh, how the turntables. Oh, how the turntables. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, with Dwight having such big news to celebrate today, his black belt ceremony and the, the hiring of him as manager, she's really excited to see him being successful and seeing him happy is truly the best part of her day, but everything else is miserable. And then even Dwight being happy is ruined because Esther shows up for the ceremony and she says, I'm proud of you. And she calls him shrewberry blue and they kiss. So she's lost her cats. She's lost Dwight now. And later in the episode, she is evicted. And then we get one of Angela's simultaneous best and worst moments in the series. 
as Andy is loading up his car with his stuff. She says, you know, Andy, you don't have to leave just because you said you would. And she also says, from a place of knowledge, don't let pride ruin your whole life. It's not worth it. Because here she is. Obviously, it's one of her worst moments because of how crappy her life situation is right now. But the reason I say it's one of her best is because it's her realizing everything that has brought her here. She had a chance to be with Dwight, but she turned him down because of her pride. When we talked about it, uh, when we were talking about that episode moving on, I said I was proud of her, resolved to remain faithful to her husband at the time. And I, I, I mean that. I, I appreciate her resolve there. But if her concern at the time was over divorcing Robert being unchristian or whatever else, an unfaithful spouse is biblical grounds for divorce. So she, she wouldn't have been in the wrong. She could have done that and she could have been with Dwight. Uh, before the news of Robert's affair and his homosexuality was let out, and she wouldn't be in this helpless situation now because she'd be with Dwight instead of alone and him being with Esther. So yeah, her realizing this now is sort of too little too late, but it's still a really important moment for her of self-reflection and trying to save someone else from the same fate. Andy misunderstands and tells her that what they had was great, but it's not right for them and they shouldn't rehash the past, but whatever, Andy, good luck. I tried, you know, and so he goes on his way. But so, okay. So she's evicted after all episode long. We've seen her long after Dwight, when Esther kisses him, when he gets his black belt, when he's made manager, she's sort of in the background, happy for him and, and sad for herself. And just, she, she's sort of resigned. But when Andy is playing, I will remember you and everyone gathers around. Angela walks over to Dwight and she kind of starts to tear up and Dwight asks her if she's okay. And she says, yeah, fine, fine. But he notices. And for the last couple of episodes, he's had this soft appreciation for her. He, he doesn't hate her for rejecting him. He probably, it, it feels very much like a loving thing. You know, she said no, so okay. But he still, he's still very kind to her. He asks her if she's okay, and she swears she is. Well, last episode, he said... He, he basically said in so many words that if she were to make the next move, then he would ditch Esther for Angela in a heartbeat. True. He's got, he's got feelings for her, for sure. But as far as he knows, she doesn't want to be with him because she hasn't made that move. And it's all just, they're not communicating. As everyone heads out for the day, Oscar hangs back a little bit because he wants to chat with Angela. He sees that she's not okay. And... As he hangs out by her desk, he sees that she's shopping for tents online. She claims that they're for camping, but Oscar realizes that she hates camping and understands why she's looking. And it takes him a minute, but when he realizes, he refuses, refuses to let her be homeless. He says, no, that's not, that's not happening. Come and stay with me. It's the least I can do after what happened, after what I did to you and what your husband did to you. It's just, you are staying with me until you get back up on your feet. And she reaches over and grabs his hand and just kind of bows her head and thanks him. And it's such a nice moment between them. And when they get to Oscar's car, she's, she has lightened up a little bit and she starts to tease Oscar and asks if his place is gross and dirty. And Oscar says, no, it's, it's neat and tasteful like most gay men's homes. <laughs> and whether she forgot or is joking, she says, oh, I, I wouldn't know. I've never lived with a gay guy. Um, and then immediately begins to sob and it sounds as if she's missing Robert. And she says, I love him. And Oscar judging from the way the conversation just went says, you know, I understand more than most people. I know you love him, but we both need to move on. And Angela says, no, no, no. I loved white. And at that point is when Oscar grabs her and gives her a hug and is, oh, honey, like, oh my gosh. This is the closest they've ever been as friends. They, they're just kind of grieving with each other. It wasn't too long ago when I said that Oscar was being a terrible person in regards to this whole situation with Angela's husband and even worse, the continued affair after she learned the truth. But here we see he's not a terrible person. He just did a terrible thing. But even then, Angela's situation now is not Oscar's fault. That lies on Robert. But Angela appreciates what he's doing for her here, how he's he's still a great friend looking out for her. And I love that that reach out and holding each other's hand as sort of a gesture of admitting that she needs this help and that she's grateful for this help. We've never seen Angela be this honest with anybody before. 
say for Andy earlier in the episode when she basically said, yeah, look what pride got me. Try not to let it happen to yourself too. Now she's saying to Oscar, I love this person and I've never told anybody that before, but now it might be too late anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Light stuff. Big, big <laughs> stuff. And, and it, it's hard to see Angela, who is so rigid and so tough most of the time like this. It's, it's difficult to watch, but onward. Last small topic, but big progress. Daryl, at the end of the day, comes up to Jim. And we should emphasize, Jim is not spending more time in Scranton. He has stepped away from athlete for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I'm not sure if he knows what exactly that means for him, but he is not with Athlete. And Daryl tells Jim, hey, Athlete has had an offer for a buyout, and they're going to pay for us to go pitch out west. And it seems huge, and it means that the company's getting big, and it would involve travel for three months. And, dude, you got to come. And Jim immediately says, oh, I, I can't do that. I can't go. And Daryl says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is different. This is big. This is what we've been working for. This is everything we've been working for. And Jim insists, no, I can't do that. For I, I have a family. I can't do that to Pam. And this is in the kitchen. And when Daryl leaves and then Jim leaves, Pam peeks her head out and she's heard the whole thing. She was in the restroom and she overheard the whole conversation. And the look on her face is like, it's almost fear. It's, it's like... What am I making him give up? Mm -hmm. But we don't we we don't get to hear any more of that. But it's this it's this pained look on her face that that we will get to later. Yeah, Jim Jim turned it down without hesitation. It, it doesn't seem like it was necessarily easy for him to do. But as he said to Andy at the start, he is all in on the things that are most important. And for them, he's unquestionably made that Pam and the kids. And you're right, we don't get a glimpse into exactly what Pam's thinking here. She does look a little concerned, and we're not going to speculate because <laughs> we know the answer, and that doesn't make sense for us to make up speculation. Yep. But just because you you mentioned it, there was a short conversation we skipped over with Jim and David right before he asked Jim whether Dwight being manager would be crazy. David says, Jim, a lot of guys in my circle, they wouldn't even change their golf schedule to shore up their marriage, let alone their professional goals. So Jim's doing something really great. Yeah, he did something really not great to get to this point, but that's in the past. Pam and his kids are now, and that's his priority. So moving on to some funny moments, uh, there was no cold open for this episode. We dove right into the opening credits. I'll start with Andy, I guess, when, uh, when Andy's asking Jim why he's back in Scranton. He says, uh, so big tuna, what's up? Back in the small pond. She says, for now, yeah, I'm spreading myself way too thin. Andy says, Thin sliced tuna, carpaccio, go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> uh, in that, the next scene with Andy, he's talking to David, and David says, so you think you've been too focused on your job. Interesting. And Andy says, at, <laughs> at my last headshot sitting, I was so distracted, wondering what I was missing at work, that I came across as totally manic. And I was going for zany. And I just have to ask, Kitty, <laughs> do you know people like this in real life? Yeah. <laughs> I figured you're in New York. I do. You did. You've done the acting. I'm in thing. New York, and I uh, have. I do. And yeah, I, mean, I feel like I knew people like that in college too, and frankly, for, in high school yeah. too. But goodness gracious, it's, without going into it too much, <laughs> acting acting people are different people, and they're tiring. And I love them, and they're exhausting. Manic versus zany. But, goodness. Uh, it's going to be okay. I think they got it. <laughs> if they didn't like you, it's not because it's fine. I'll, I'll, well, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Kevin has some good episode or some good moments in this episode. When Angela's telling him how the uh, county took her cats, she blames the woman downstairs from her. She says, it's the beep that lives downstairs. She's this uptight, judgmental shrew, but you know the type. Kevin says, I have never met anyone like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so funny, but it's also so sweet. He doesn't say it like it's a joke. He says it knowing that right. Angela's already in a poor state and he doesn't need to say anything to upset her or to make her feel worse about herself. So good on you, Kevin. Yep. But it, it's, it, is, it is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's trying. <laughs> when Dwight enters the office at the beginning of the episode, he says, attention, everyone. May I have your attention? Uh, there are four new deadly weapons in this office. 
And then kicking and punching, he says, Thrasher, Thrasher, Crasher. And Jim says, Smasher. Do I say Smasher? No, where'd you get that? Fireball. And so shortly <laughs> after that, Dwight is leaving and he's got a briefcase in hand. And Jim just shouts, Fireball. <laughs> and Dwight launches up his hand to do the fireball motion with his arm. And he accidentally throws his briefcase at the same time. <laughs> and he says, That's how it's done. <laughs> Jim says, That's pretty good. I feel safe. <laughs> I feel safe. Another Kevin one for me. Kevin is glad that Andy's staying on as a salesman when he says he's doing that. He says, oh, there's a great play about a salesman. <laughs> and he says, yeah, Death of a Salesman. I don't think so. Yeah, Death of a Salesman, Arthur Miller. It's a great play about crushed dreams. Kevin says, no, this one was written by SpongeBob SquarePants. And a quick Google tells me that it's probably the episode Salesfish. Oh. Although I don't watch much SpongeBob, so I could be incorrect. Does he think that SpongeBob is written by SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> it's, it's definitely written by SpongeBob. I don't know what you're talking about. I it's written by a cartoon Sponge. <laughs> Jim and Pam, we mentioned a couple times where they visited each other's desks and were really cute. Jim comes up to her desk and says, "Hey, are you still in charge of office supplies?" She says, "Yes." Yeah. He says, "I I seem to have a sticky note emergency." where I grab it on the wrong end and this happens and it's the big like accordion style post-it notes. And she goes, oh boy. Mm. And he says, if you could help me out, that would be, she says, I could give you some beginner stickies. <laughs> and he says, the ones that don't accordion. Right. He says, anything would help. And she's like, here you go. He says, also, while you're at it, he got a glimpse in her drawer when she pulled out the stickies. He says, while you're at it, if you did have a salt packet, three tacks and some aspirin, that would be great. Oh, oh, oh wow. You have that. <laughs> it's just a really cute moment back and forth and he says you come so prepared but then dwight speaks up and says you want to get rid of a headache you sit on something sharp any sensei will tell you that you don't need aspirin (laughs) well she has a tack i don't know maybe that's what that was three tacks yeah (laughs) three tack just in case the aspirin didn't work (laughs) my last kevin one i promise when dwight as manager goes over to accounting oscar says hey I, i didn't get a chance to say it but congratulations dwight thank you angela says yes congratulations Kevin. Yeah, and Dwight, I would like to be the first to say congratulations. <laughs> That's not how that works. You don't just get to say you're the first and be the first. <laughs> now, this is a really weird joke that I only have with myself that no one else appreciates, but whenever I'm traveling with someone and we're on a plane, I try to say welcome to Houston before the flight attendants do, because they always say, I'd like to be the first to welcome you to Houston. <laughs> no, you weren't. Well, suck it. I, I was the first one. <laughs> I was the first. <laughs> But no one else thinks it's as funny as I do. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that one down because I forgot to. So oh, good. <laughs> um, now there there was one more small Kevin moment that came right after a really sad thing. The the phone call that Angela got that was clearly, clearly about her getting evicted. And both Kevin and Oscar were privy to her side of the conversation. As she leaves and Kevin turns to Oscar and says, What do you think that was about? <laughs> I I could tell you exactly what it's about. She wasn't very subtle. No. Uh, anyways. No. <laughs> When Dwight is demonstrating his final kata forms after getting his black belt, he gets in the faces of many people around the office throwing punches and kicks, including Clark, Nellie, and Jim a little bit. Then he goes up to Pam and she just holds up a finger and look like, do not test me, Dwight. (laughs) And he just like makes a a feeble little sound like, ha. And then he goes on. (laughs) It's like, like, okay. Ha. Ha. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to mess with that. (laughs) Well, before the forms, uh, during the actual belt-changing ceremony, the sensei is doing his thing. I will now perform the ceremonial changing of the belt. He will now perform the ceremonial changing of the belts. It's not a large room. I think they heard me. <laughs> Take my belt, master. I'd now submit to you every part of myself. Yikes. Uh, it's, I don't need... Okay, I'm just focused on the belt. <laughs> and Dwight's like thrusting his hips so that he has easy access to the belt. And... Uh, Finally, Sensei Billy's had enough. Okay, take a step back. Stop. I cannot do this if you're going to be thrusting like this. Okay, you know what? I'll just cut it off. And Dwight, kind of embarrassed, he will now perform the ceremonial cutting off of the belt. And he grabs scissors from Aaron and like yells and bows. And like gives him the scissors and just, it's not, you're doing this in a paper office. Like no one is taking this that seriously, but not even the Sensei, but Dwight is. Pam is now back visiting Jim at his desk and she has forgotten what he was going to ask him. She's just sort of hanging out and 
she she says, I'm back. Oh, hey, look. And now it's a double date. It's like a double date because Aaron is back there hanging with Pete and their desks are apart from each other. Pete says, wow, because uh, and goes makes some sound effects or whatever. And Aaron says, actually, maybe we should go on a double date sometime. That'd be fun. And Pam says, yeah, we should do that for real sometime. Aaron says, OK, well, how about Thursday? And she's really excited about this. Pam says, oh, well, Thursday's tough because of this and that. And Jim says, weeknights are actually tough just because. And Aaron's just like, forget, forget it. Forget I said anything. And she like turns and makes a face at Pete. It's like, you, you gave up that plan awfully easily, Aaron. <laughs> there was another thing where Aaron is like, forget it. Forget it. I forget it. And I don't remember what that is, but. I don't know. I can do some research while. It made me, it made me laugh because it was the same. Like, okay, I, I said, forget it. Also, Aaron, when Andy is uh, about to ask her for her honest opinion, he says, Aaron, honest Aaron, cannot tell a lie. We laid together. That's something you cannot take back. And Aaron just looks very sad. <laughs> so true. We cannot. And uh, I feel like she has this problem with ex-boyfriends where, I mean, Gabe, she didn't even like Gabe when she was with him. But now with Andy, that every time she looks back on their relationships, she's just like grossed out. She's like, oh, we did sleep together. That's right. <laughs> I found the moment you were talking about. It was oh, in After Hours mm-hmm. back in season eight. And... It was so it's the middle of the Florida arc and Aaron and Ryan are hanging out and she asks the waitress for a hotel waffle. Oh, yes. And she says, we <laughs> don't right. have waffles. And Aaron's just like, OK, just forget it then. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> so that's I what did, it is. It's, I said, forget it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's the one. A hotel waffle. I know what I want to eat. Is that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of miss Ryan. I, oh, I never thought I'd little, say that. A little bit. Like, Sometimes. Little bit. He had his moments. Sensei Billy is totally wearing the headband from the original The Karate Kid movie. And so that makes me think he doesn't normally wear it, but it's like he's wearing it to fit Dwight's idea of a sensei, probably. (laughs) Yep. Angela has one funny moment. Count it one this episode. Granted, I'm glad she even gave us one because she was having a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's very impressed with Dwight's graduation to Black Belt because she's been helping him practice for years. She says when they were dating... I would help him with his strength training. He would strap me to his chest in a baby Bjorn made for fat children and do lunges across the farm. I felt like I was flying. (laughs) Happier days. Uh, I've only got one more. Uh, Creed. Yep, that's my last one. (laughs) Okay, good. So, So Dwight has just been promoted and David has a knack for ruining people's big juicy announcements. There was Andy's uh, when David bought Dunder Mifflin was reinstating Andy as manager. And now there's Dwight's where he's just been hired as manager and he wants to have this moment where he tells everybody. And at first he's saying, David, while you're doing this announcement, can I just do one thing? And then I promise I'll never, ever do it again. And David's just like, no, no, sorry. But then he gets his phone call and leaves. And so Dwight waits impatiently for a second and everybody's quiet. It's really awkward. So Dw- Dwight climbs up on a desk and shouts, Dwight Schrute is manager. And everybody cheers. And I mentioned that moment earlier. But then Creed gets caught up in it and he stands up on a desk and shouts creed bratton is the new manager <laughs> and everybody just stares at him like uh okay back to dwight now <laughs> uh yeah okay those are the funny moments and uh no deleted scenes either for this episode they just in and out right to the point yeah well let's go ahead and look at some voicemails we just got a couple that we're going to play the first one is from carter Hey, Chad and Katie, it's Carter from Youngstown, uh, or you know me as the Nard Tuna. Uh, I just had a question. If you guys were going to do any kind of apparel, workplace pod, podcast t-shirts, something like that, that'd be really cool. Also, uh, you guys are going to be talking about The Farm on the next episode, which is probably one of my favorite episodes. Um, when everybody's sitting around singing Sons and Daughters by the Decemberists, is probably one of my favorite office moments. Um, and then... Dwight throws the beaks of a crow at um, the girl's feet. I can't remember her name right now. I don't know why. Uh, what do you guys think of that? What do you think of the Shroot Customs? What's your favorite Shroot Custom? Uh, is it the uh, the Song of Rules or um, the throwing the beaks of a crow at a girl you would like to court or any other Shroot Custom you can think of? Uh, thanks for uh, doing the show. It's a really, really great show, and I'm sad to see it ending soon. Uh, but uh, if you guys can get back with me, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Carter. To answer your first question about whether we'll ever have American Workplace t-shirts or apparel of any kind, 
The answer is probably not, unless this provokes a response from a crap ton, like literally that much, a crap ton of interested people, just because one I think it's, it's a, one crap ton specifically. Um, <laughs> uh, it, I think it can get expen- expensive for us to make a whole bunch of stuff and then it not be available. But I, I'll look into it for sure. If anybody out there is interested, let us know, like reach out on email twitter facebook wherever we don't care just let us know and if we hear from a crap ton of people it'll be closer to being a reality so there's that then to address your second thing what are our favorite shroot customs uh do you have any specific ones katie that you can think of i do but i feel like i'm cheating because i want to use one of his because it is my favorite and i sing it all the time so learn your rules song learn your rules you'd better learn your rules you don't will be eaten in your sleep. Uh, and it's something I will sing to my children one day. Uh, I won't. That's mean. I don't want to terrify them. But it is one of my favorites. And I mean, Belschnickel is great too. But Learn Your Rules, I think, is just hilarious. And little baby Dwight thinking he's going to get eaten if he doesn't follow the rules. It, it kind of tells a lot to who he became today. So... Honestly, I, I think that's my favorite, too. I'm looking at a, a short list that's on Dunderpedia of Shroot family traditions and characteristics. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the rules is my favorite. There's one here. The Shroots believe in a five-fingered intervention. Awareness, oh, education, yeah. control, acceptance, and punching. punching. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Also, whatever Moe's is. Whatever. <laughs> Could I have a pet Moe's? <laughs> can, can I have one? Can I bring that? He's my favorite Shroot custom. <laughs> Whatever yes. that is. <laughs> yes, please. More Mike Sure, anything. Just Mike Sure. I'll take the Mike Sure. The good place starts this week. Ah, uh, finally. Yeah, last season. Not finally. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you, Carter, and for giving us our answers before we had to like look them up. <laughs> <laughs> because the Learn Your Rules song, I mean, I'm a teacher, and so I definitely think that all the time because some, sometimes there are kids I wish would get eaten in their sleep because they don't <laughs> follow my rules. But whatever. Okay, next is from Sarah. So here's Sarah. Hi, Chad and Katie. My name is Sarah. Uh, Chad or whoever runs your Instagram might remember me because I asked about the Scranton Straggler on Instagram. Uh, so quick question. So for a few friends and I were talking and we discussed, do you ever skip ever any certain episodes? So I've re-binged the whole series about 15 times at this point. Uh, I travel a lot for work, so I kind of put it on the background, put it on to fall asleep. You know, it's kind of background noise a lot for me, um, even though I do sit down and regularly watch it. And there are a couple episodes that I skip are the episode when uh, Jim and David Wallach meet secretly uh, when um, Michael, without Michael. And then also sometimes I just generally skip episodes in seasons one through three because watching Jim and Pam before they're dating is so uncomfortable. So I'm just curious if after having watched the whole series so many times, if there are episodes that you just kind of skip. Frankly, I actually just finished um, these episodes where they have D'Angelo, and I kind of skip them because as much as I love Will Ferrell, he is awkward as all heck, and it is super uncomfortable. So just curious what you guys do, and if you do. Thanks. Bye. Okay, what do you think, Katie? Are there any episodes that you skip? Well, I, I think we definitely watch the show very differently, the two of us. Mm-hmm. I kind of skip around. I do occasionally like sit down and and watch through the show, but I'll often skip to my favorite sort of sections, my favorite seasons, my favorite storylines. And if I watch one, you know, too many times, I'll go back and watch something else. But I don't know that I really skip any because I do sort of watch, you know, okay, I'll watch season two. Okay, I'll watch season nine. Okay, I'll watch season four, which is a weird way to do it. But I've seen the show so many times that it doesn't, you know, I know what's going on. So I don't think I skip any necessarily. If I'm going to watch that plot line, that storyline, I'll just finish it through. But I think you do more like straight run throughs, right? Yeah, typically I watch a whole lot of TV. Well, I say a whole lot. It's really not too much compared to some. But if I'm watching The Office, most of the time it is when I'm with a friend and they are watching The Office and we'll just like pick up where they're watching. Or Mm -hmm. if I'm just in the mood to watch The Office, but I'm not in the middle of a strict run through. I'll I think I actually talked about this a little bit the other night when I was streaming editing episode 104. Uh, I'll put on probably somewhere in seasons 3 through 5 usually. 
uh, just like my happy place for most of the show. Mm-hmm. And I'll just pick a random episode. And there will be certainly some episodes that if I'm watching that way, I'm like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for this. And I just won't watch it. But I don't normally, if I'm, if I'm sitting down and I'm in the middle of a watch through of the show, I watch through the show. I watch all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, sort of. But really, if, if, if I'm watching beginning to end, I watch every episode. And if I'm skipping around, then I'm just not going to, I'm not going to linger on an episode that I'm just not in the mood for. Right. But it's not because I like it any less. It's just you're in the mood for certain movies sometimes. You're in the mood for certain TV episodes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sarah also left a second voicemail that we're not going to play, but um, she's been watching season six recently. And in Secretary's Day, Andy said that if it wasn't for Secretary's, he wouldn't have a stepmom. But obviously, now that we have seen Andy's parents in Garden Party in season eight, their parents were still together and they didn't separate until season nine. So do you have any thoughts or opinions on this flub or is it just like, you know, what happens? <laughs> I tend to think it's just one of those inconsistencies. No show is perfect. And I think, you know, they made a decision back then and then decided not to do that or even possibly forgot about it. I think people forget stuff that they've included. I know I've watched interviews with some actors, not necessarily from the office, but just, you know, oh, I cannot even remember what was going on in this character's life at that point stuff like that so i would tend to think it's just a just a mistake what about you yeah it's i think it's just a mistake i mean there's always if, if you want to go there there's the possibility that his parents were separated at one point in time and they did remarry eventually like that does happen it's maybe a little far-fetched in the context of this but i, I think it's just an honest, honest mistake there was another one made recently that we actually pointed out that andy he did the whole sex ed episode with the the talk of STDs. And then when he was trying to get Pete to confess dating Aaron after he and Aaron had broken up, he's, he couldn't pronounce the word chlamydia. He said chlamydia. So there, there's those tiny things that change over time that they might just make a quick, funny throwaway line earlier, but then they decide to buckle down and make like a serious character choice later. And it, it happens. So yeah, it's a neat plot hole to find. I think it's always fun to find those kind of things, but Ultimately, it doesn't really mean anything. But thank you for your voicemail, Sarah. We loved hearing from you. And we got one voicemail from our friend Leslie, who left uh, a longer voicemail. And he shared his own favorite Jim and Pam moments with us. We had that audience question recently about what our favorite Jim and Pam moments were. And so he listed a few. He sort of sorted Jim and Pam into three different eras of their lives, predating the, uh, the dating slash marriage and then the post all of that that's happening now. So his three moments were Pam falling asleep on Jim's shoulder in diversity day. Uh, then Jim cutting his tie at the wedding to make Pam feel better. And then the moment that I didn't finish typing out, but it was the moment at uh, the end of paper airplane when they are hugging in the parking lot. You mean the moment, which the is moment, what you typed. Yeah. That we just talked about. And it is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So that's okay. appropriate. The moment. <laughs> so, Thank you, Leslie, for the voicemail. Yeah, those are three very good ones. And that brings us to the end of the official 106th episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod and at workplacepod on Twitter. Head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so helps boost our visibility, so we'd really appreciate you doing that. And you can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, we only have a couple more episodes for you to do that. So get your calls in. You have to dial 93-PRETS-DAY. That is 937-738-9329. If you'd like to leave any of your own funny moments or questions or things to point out or just to say hi, we'd just love to hear from you. So make sure you leave your name so we can thank you by name. Try and keep it under a minute so it doesn't take too much time. And we would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is still on Twitter at chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. Show notes and all contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 106 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 107 for our discussion on the second to last episode of The Office, AARM. 
Bye. Bye. I'm looking that up real quick because the the Dunderpedia normally has connections to cultural references. Oh yes. I no. I did find the SpongeBob version of that website. Oh, interesting. (laughs) SpongeBob.fandom.com looks an awful lot like uh, Dunderpedia. Oh well, this site doesn't say anything about the SpongeBob, but just because I'm here, there is amusing trivia. As of this episode, all five of the new employees that transferred from Stanford have left the branch for good. There was Pepperoni Tony. There was Martin Nash, the convict. There was uh, Hannah, who was the pregnant woman and left. There was Karen Filippelli. And now Andy. Filippelli. Oh, yeah. I was like, who was the fifth? It was Andy. (laughs) So, yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Anyways. Goodness gracious. Second to last episode.